welcome everybody to a GateWorld fan commentary. My name is Darren. I'm David. And today we're watching Tin Man. This is exciting. I have not watched Tin Man for many years, I think. That's a shame. It's a really good episode. It's a great episode. We've, uh, we've picked this one as one of our favorites from season one to do one of our first fan commentaries on. So I hope you're watching it. This episode originally aired on Showtime February 13th, 1998, and was syndicated February 22nd, 1999. Written by Jeffrey King, directed by Jimmy Kaufman, and stars uh, guest stars Jay Brizot as Harlan. One of my favorite characters from the entire show. Yeah, we'll see him in a few minutes. There's Teal Frowny. And what is that thing that hangs over the ceiling? That, that swinging, that spinning fruit looking yeah, thing? Yeah, the big disco ball. I assume that that is what uh, is about to zap our heroes. It was actually a long time, relatively speaking, a long time after I started watching SG-1 before I think I ever saw Tin Man. Really? Yeah, I started watching the show in season two, and Showtime would would then air, like, season one repeats on Saturdays. Uh, So I caught up pretty quickly. But it was a while before I ever saw this one. I, this was one of the first that I saw. This was, um... This was an episode that I saw before I caught up with Showtime in Season 2. I started SG-1 in Season 1 on syndication and then discovered it on Showtime a couple months later. Yeah, watch Teal'c's face here, especially in these early Season 1 episodes. uh, These early episodes like Season 1. Chris Judge has got to use those facial muscles so much to keep that brownie (laughs) posture. It's not the tilt that we'll come to know from later years, for sure. Now, this is the syndication title sequence. Yeah, they released the all the DVDs with the syndication title sequence. Except and, for uh, season four, I believe. Really? Uh-huh. I, because I they sing those. about the, 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 the one episode. They sing about, you know, the, 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 the statue, the face they of the statue. The, the raw mask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, originally when we watched these on Showtime, SG-1 had a completely different opening sequence, and it was just this camera panning over a a statue, a bust of Ra, very slowly while the the names of the actors were on. Um, I kind of liked it. Because a lot of this stuff hadn't been shot yet. Right, right, that's true. But uh, the show was offset in syndication by one year, so... When it, once it started in syndication, they had all this footage from season one to make this this opening. And we opened back on SG-1. They got zapped, and now they are... In new clothes. In new clothes. Jack has lost all his stuff. I love that everyone's outfit is just... The, the lines are just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Are they different from, from one to the next? Yeah, Jack has a line on his sleeve. Carter has a line down across her chest. I think one of them has it horizontal. I never noticed that. Oh, yeah? It's one of the first things I picked up on. <laughs> this is a huge set for as little as they ended up using it. It's really sort of intricate. 
Yeah, it's Danny. He has the line horizontal. Yeah. Daniel's feeling pretty good. And enter... <laughs> Gumtria! It's Harlan. It's kind of like Shalom, Aloha. Yeah, Daniel figures out that it's a greeting. He's not actually speaking a foreign language. He is so much younger in this episode than how we know him now. No, uh, Michael Shanks. Oh, yeah. Well, they all are. They look so young. Yeah. Come (laughs) back. It's a real shame that they didn't bring this character back more. I guess we should be lucky that that he came back once. Yeah, he did come back once in uh, Double Jeopardy. But he was kind of like a a C character. I mean, he just wasn't really involved at all. Yeah, he just kicked off that episode, didn't he? He wasn't he wasn't involved in it. Mm-hmm. Kind of a consultant. Really interesting guy. Really interesting character actor. We've seen Jay Rizzo elsewhere on Stargate. Yeah. yeah. An episode called The Tower in Atlantis. Yep. He was the Lord Protector. Very different role. Harlan's just so... Happy-go-lucky. Well, he's very happy to to have them. Yeah, it's hard to fear him or to hate him. He's just... He does this weird little alien hand thing. He's very charming. You know, the character's kind of like Ergo in that way. Very similar. He's really friendly. He's kind of funny. He's not really a threat, but yet when the team first encounters him, they feel sort of under threat. Mm-hmm. Surrounded by technology. Do you know where they shot this? What, um... What, like, warehouse they shot this in? In no, Vancouver? I don't know what the facility is. Okay. In, in the Vancouver area. Um, Pretty sure they used it later. I always wonder if this is the same place where they shot the off-world sequences for there, but for the grace of God. I see. That's entirely possible. Yes, you do. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Some people who are doing this, the Stargate rewatch with us are uh, doing various drinking games to Stargate. And come try it would be a good one for this episode. Not if you want to be awake by the end of the episode. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, look is different. He's so frowny. Season one of SG-1, they they make a lot of, they make a 
not a huge deal, but certainly a deal about Carter being a female. You know, it's in several uh-huh. different episodes. You have emancipation. You have this, you know, where he keeps on pointing it out, uh, which is fine because we later know biologically he's he's been tinkering. So, um, but, you know, they, they kind of dropped that as the show went on for the most part. Yeah, they really do point it out a lot in season one, don't they? Daniel feels great. But we don't know why yet. Better how. (laughs) This is one of my favorite moments out of the entire season. Great, Jack Lane. (laughs) And he's trying to say it, but he can't. Is it because he he sort of doesn't want to clue them in as to who they actually are? It's uh, just one of those things. I don't know. Or is he just sort of not really capable of explaining? He thinks he seems to think that they know what they are. I think from one of the, the previous lines. Yeah. You understand. Yeah. But they don't understand, so they're going to get back to Earth. Yeah. Well, I mean. I, I assume when I'm watching this that he is not not entirely a man, but he he's he's programmed to run this place, and he operates from that perspective. You know, he he may once have been a man, but his only priority now is to maintain this place, and he isn't he isn't concerned with their humanity. He doesn't even consider it. You know, when they come through, he duplicates them. Yeah. So that's the first thing on his mind. And old Doc Fraser. I was about to say the same thing. Old Doc Fraser. <laughs> There's nothing in there. This I is am... one of the amazing scenes that makes this episode uh, as awesome as it is. Because we are just following along with SG-1, right? We're, we see everything from their perspective. Yeah. Harlan's kind of funny. It's kind of weird. And it's this scene we find out with them. It's the Terminator what 2 scene. What the hell is going on? Let's rip off our arm. Let's see what's underneath. And gross. I guess it's just milk. That would be terrifying. I remember seeing this originally, and, I mean, I could not look away. Yeah. Ah, gosh. It's still hard to watch. It's hard to watch, yeah. He's not just slicing to see if he can make himself bleed. He's digging in. Surprise! You're a robot. And this Janet really f- does the right thing, doesn't she? Yeah, this happens a few times in the show. You know, I'm also thinking the Fifth Man. You know, as soon as they, as soon as they do something or say something that's un SG one like, they all like leap into into action and turn on them, which mm-hmm. I suppose is what you would have to do. 
Well, we know more and more, the more times we send teams through the gate and things like this happen, that you go through the gate and anything can happen. Somebody can grab you and who knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. But Janet does absolutely the right thing because, well, from SG-1's perspective, it's Harlan did something to us, help mm-hmm. us figure it out. Mm-hmm. From the perspective of, of Hammond here and Janet, it's, you know, this is evidence that this is not really SG-1. Yeah. And as far as they're concerned, they could turn on them any moment. Yeah. You know, that when they recognize what they are, their programming could kick in and they could kill all of them. Yeah. The great Donis Davis. I miss him very much. Yeah. He got a lot thinner as the show went on. He got he, he got did, into yeah. shape. Yeah. And now we have SG one in isolation. Very good idea. Something that, that was we'll a good see. shot. The reflections of them. Yeah. We'll see SG one in isolation in a, in a few episodes again, like Ergo. And. Uh... Yeah, upgrades. I think the fifth man, too. What's wrong with them now? Oh, I don't know, George. They did a lot of things with her hair over the course of that show. Mm. And, of course, Daniel is the, the I mean the most wondrous of them all he's like you know that's this is this is cool you know what could we do with this and jack's like oh just shut up <laughs> mm. i want me back yeah and tilk no longer has junior yeah he starts um going downhill i think about the fact that it's weird for jack but for tilk he's a hundred and something yeah, he's about a hundred right now yeah, he's he's had a symbiote since he was probably 10 years old. About that time. And it's never... I, I, I guess something wrong came went wrong with his programming when he found out that he didn't have a symbiote because he just, he just loses it. Um, and later when he loses his symbiote for good, you know, he doesn't lose it like this. So I assume he was... And I think Harlan says also there was just... He was just wrong to begin with but he eventually does make another one and that tilk is okay yeah i suspect that it's not that that tilk doesn't lose it robot tilk doesn't lose it because of like a psychological thing like he figured out that he doesn't have a symbiote and that just sort of caused a mental break because mm-hmm. harlan actually made the robot wrong yeah because he's not he's not human you know I mean, his his baseline, you know, DNA and everything like that is human, but he's been he's been engineered by the Gould, and so, you know, when yeah, Harlan remade him, is fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. But he figures That's it out later and makes way. another one. Yeah. And it's cool to see Teal go, you know, kind of bad guy in this episode for a little while. Yeah. That's not a good idea. Ha, 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 ha. 
thousand years old. And complication. Oh, their batteries are low. That's right. At this point, you know, they're just thinking Harlan did us a favor. He made us better by basically making us immortal. Yeah. By transferring our minds into robot bodies that are not going to wear out. That is not, in fact, the case. It's amazing how much bigger they can make that room look. Mm-hmm. That is a small space. That room is not very big, and they shoot it so well. First time I visited the set, that was, you know, my two biggest surprises were touching the concrete wall and discovering that it was not anywhere close to actual concrete and the size of the gate room. It's it's yeah. really skinny. And it's a multi-purpose room. They've used it for several different things. Another great scene. Very Jack. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reason. There you go. Sam is... Yeah, Sam thinks now that that's what's going on, that they've been transplanted. Mm -hmm. What a good actor. Well, that was basically a lie. Your bodies are all gone. No, they're not. Yeah. They're just with someone else. But and from a story question. perspective, I understand keeping keeping that a secret is good. But Yeah. But my question, anticipating the end of the episode and the big reveal, my question is... Why did he hold on to them? Why not just send them back through the gate? Yeah. So that when the robots get back to Earth, there's SG-1 already there. He does. I don't think they they give a reason either. But I think the explanation would be he wanted to make sure that these would work before letting the originals go. Yeah. So. Yeah, like Teal, for example, Harlan, I don't think, is terribly surprised that, that Teal sort of breaks down. This is not exactly something that he's done a whole lot. What's that? Far, oh, uh, copying? You know, finding somebody and, and copying them into robots. As far as we know, he's been by himself for 11,000 years. Yeah, what is he saving it for? It's just his mission, you know? He's been programmed to maintain this, and that's what he does. It's his programming. 
the real question for me, I mean, this civilization is so old. Altera, um, mm-hmm. you know, their whole civilization died out over 11,000 years ago. So that was obviously before the Gould ever came to Earth and started moving humans around the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So why does Harlan look human? The Alterans must have been some sort of independent ancient evolution. You know, seated Which by Which could explain ancient... why they have a similar name. To the Alteran, the ancient Alterans. Yeah. That's a very good point. I mean, I'd have to consult my timeline, but I'm not going to do that just now. Yeah. So, except for Teal'c, these other three are basically the same three that die in Double Jeopardy. I guess is the assumption that we all make. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to hang out with Harlan for a few years. And then go out and start exploring the galaxy again. There's Daniel looking for the bright speck. Yeah. Sam's thinking in scientific terms. Don't need to eat or drink. And Tilka's just cranky. He's going to go get some air. I suppose. You know, it really is such a quiet episode. It's a great concept with a great twist and a great sci-fi premise. Not a lot happens. It's sort of quiet. Yeah, they're... They're sort of sitting and talking and considering their situation. Going to a different room and considering their situation and walking down the hallway. I mean, the pace is fine. It, it, it certainly works. But it's one of those quieter episodes. And he hears replicators, apparently. I guess so. Why is he hearing replicators? Well, he's hearing all the servos in his body, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to go nuts. Yes, yeah, he's dodging. Yeah. He knows, and he's he's not telling them. And you know, if he's needing all this help, why doesn't he make more of them? Yeah, you know, that's that's one thing I was curious about. He must be programmed to only replicate one of each at any given time. But you know, that's that's the other thing that I was wondering about. He's they, he clearly needs help, and that's why he's created them. So why doesn't he create many of them? Yeah, maybe this first group is just sort of the test batch to see how these guys are going to work out. And when they find out that. The other SG one is still around. He says, "Okay, I guess I'll just send him back now." Yeah, let him go. Just be happy that you got four. Yeah, so Hubbled was the one who came up with it, and once he was gone, Harlan just did what he could. Mm Mm-hmm. You think Hubbled was a robot as well? Uh, 
know, it could be like an some kind of an uh pseudonym for Janice, but I mean I suspect he he wasn't because when he dies you know there wasn't Harlan is such a sympathetic character, not only because he's happy-go-lucky and fun, but he's got this sad backstory, too. He's been alone. Mm-hmm. He wants company. Oh, jeez. Let's go. There's an important piece of information there. We have they can't to leave stay within range of the battery until Sam makes portable ones. Yep. Love the iconography they use to spruce up the place, make it alien. Yeah, on the on the walls and the the doors. <laughs> but you know, this this episode raises an interesting question, you know. What good is um eternal life if all you're going to do is maintain your environment? If you can't enjoy life? Yeah, what kind of living are they going to do? What kind of living and are they doing? They're not it's doing all any. That Harlan has ever known, but for these guys, they're exploring the galaxy, fighting bad guys, and that's why they start exploring again. Yeah, you know? they're gonna they're gonna that's have why they to get go out there. It. You can't you can't just sit around sit around and wait to react to to the next technological cataclysm. You have to you have to be you which is SG-1 has to be SG-1, and Harlan is not the explorer that us Terrans are. Mm-hmm. So here's sort of the big crisis, the big action beat, getting towards the, the latter part of the episode. It's mm-hmm. all hitting the fan. Search your minds. (laughs) (laughs) 
Joel did some cool stuff musically with this episode. Mm-hmm. It's a very tense moment. And once they start accepting their role, they're able to, you know, access that knowledge. Yeah, I was going to say, Harlan was pointing to the map on the TV screen when Sam and, and Daniel were in a position where they couldn't possibly see the screen. Yeah. But they've got that whole map in their brain. Yeah. But they didn't and... necessarily know where he was pointing. <laughs> Jack figures out he's got superpowers. He's a little bit bionic. Where's Teal'c been? He's lurking around here somewhere. Quietly going insane. I love the use of color in this episode. It adds so mm-hmm. much. You know, to th- this place would be dank and gray and very neutral, and color just makes it pop. Yeah, I mean, look at the lighting on Harlan there, for example, coming off of his computer console. Mm-hmm. The steam, I mean, on my screen, the steam looks bluish, and it's because of the way this environment has been lit. When you're shooting inside in this sort of dank, dark environment, the lighting yeah. is, you know, sells the whole environment. Well, that wasn't very nice. Nope. If you notice, it's a little, it's a little, um, nod to the, the Gould theme with the, the music, with the music. Yeah. Okay. You got to fight back now. And apparently Robot Jack can't take Robot Teal any more than Human Jack can take Human Teal or Jafati. Yeah, I think they've all been equally enha- enhanced. Mm. Big fight sequence. Of course, you have to give props to Dan Shea, who's the one actually taking the hits there. Yeah. For Richard Dean Anderson. And somehow, Teal'c knows that that steam is going to knock out Robot Jack. <laughs> Why does the steam render him unconscious? It's time to explain near the end of the episode. I must wrap up. Yeah. Tilk isn't really dead, is he? He's one of the main cast members. 
But of course, the first time we watch this, we haven't seen the twist yet. Right. So there's the explanation. It's because there was he has a little a bit of symbiote, symbiote. in Tilsk. Has Jack figured it out? Time for answers. They're in my fridge. <laughs> it's not I a cut and paste, surely. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth. If they thought the first revelation was a biggie, this revelation changes their lives forever. They're not even the real SG-1. Yeah. Now, have they just been lying there, conscious, unable to speak? I mean, what's... Apparently so. Apparently these beds are keeping them immobile. Because at least Jack here is awake. Yeah. They're all awake. Tilt's blinking. But still cranky. Why couldn't you just tell us that at the beginning of the episode? Yeah. Because then there would be no story. There would be no story. Well, I think there would have been a story. It just would have been a much talkier story. Yeah. Yeah. This episode lives on these twists. And after you see it once, you can never watch it that same way again. You know? There are certain episodes that that are like this where they have yeah. they have a built-in twist in it and once you've watched it the first time one way you can never watch it that same way again you you watch it a different way yeah anticipating the twist and seeing the um uh the hints along the way yeah like six cents anything that's sort of based on a big twist at the end when you go back, you're going to be rewatching in a completely different way. Yep. Looks like a microchip sticker on his collar. Yeah. 
great technology. He's got to crank the handle to turn the back. He's going to wake himself up. Well, they've all been conscious. See, that line suggests that he's been talking with them. Yeah, like he's been coming in to visit and saying, I'm only going to keep you here for another day. Don't worry about it. I'm not hurting you. See, they didn't know either. That they'd been duplicated, right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Two Sams. Every man's fantasy. <laughs> if only. <laughs> I love Harlan's reaction. And the ending of the episode suggests that another Tilk isn't made. Like the, the process wasn't completed on that one, but he clearly manages to figure it out. Yeah, he restarts it. Are we not told in this episode that that, that Teal'c is going to get finished? Uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm not so sure now. I mean, here's Robot Jack back visiting the, the incubator. Now, this, I think, is one thing where you can see a show like SG-1 mature in the way that it's shot. Is yeah. all these twinning shots that have two of the same actor are yeah. all locked static shots, and as the show goes on, in future years, when we have when we have uh, the technology improves, a character on the screen in more than one place. I mean, for crying out loud, look at Ripple Effect in season nine. Oh, With it's that, so dynamic an episode. Camera technology, you know, the camera's moving all over the place, and you have multiple cars filling the room. Really interesting, really important talk here between Jack and Jack. I have every right to this life that you do, and I don't want to be here fixing all these machines for the next 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. But you also can see like the underlying self-hatred, and they look at each other and they say, you know, yeah, I feel the same way about myself that you do. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's it's one of the things about Jack that's never really touched upon in the show. I mean, it touched upon yes, but never really explored. Jack doesn't see himself as ultimately being redeemable. He's done so much damned mm. his tasteful stuff. Mm. That, you know, I mean, he's sold his soul. And he says that poignantly in season 3, you know, I'm going to hell anyway, I might as well, you know, see what it looks like now or whatever the line was. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. That makes me think of, of like Lost City at the end of season seven 
the way that he does what he does is very sort of self-sacrificial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows how he thinks. That's what he would do. I mean, in the 90s, it's a big deal that you can have one jack cross the other's path in the mm-hmm. shot of the camera. Just only a few years before, you know, they had Jonathan Frakes walk around Jonathan Frakes. Mm-hmm. In uh, Second Chances? Mm-hmm. Just like three or four years before. Just a few hundred years. So what do we know from Double Jeopardy then? We know that they're... I think they're here for about a year or two before Carter... They start exploring the galaxy. ...a battery pack for them, and they start going out on missions. Oh, look at that. There's a completed Tilk. Oh, yep. Forgot about that. Now we know... So when we run into them again at the end of season four, they've already been out on missions for mm-hmm. like a year. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a fan fiction series just waiting to happen. You know, a year's worth of ghouled ass kicking by bionic. Yeah, who knows what they had done? It's one of the things you know that I wish they would have done in season four. Is you know maybe even in season three a little bit, but you know. It, it didn't happen was you know have have offworlders reference you know another uh, sg1 team like you're crazy no we didn't do that yeah and then in double jeopardy you understand oh yeah these people were out wandering the galaxy yeah that could have been a great arc it's um it's just such an episodic show at this point mm-hmm. that they don't want to close out an episode with a question like that unanswered yeah. And now a lot of shows that's all it is. How far we've come. Yeah, episodic stuff like the early SG1 or like uh, you know, the like Voyager just I have a hard time thinking of much of any mm-hmm. anymore. When you take an episode like Lost and you you see how fulfilling it is to to have time to be allowed time to wonder about certain things and then have those questions answered a, an episode, 10 episodes, a year, six years down the road. Profoundly fulfilling if you have the patience for it. Mm-hmm. Good episode. That's Tin Man. Yeah. So, what'd you think? Looking back on it, you know, after so many years. Yeah, when did we say this aired in 1998? 98. So we're recording this in 2011, and you know, it really holds up. This is 
This is a really strong episode. Again, it's one that is sort of a a quiet character piece in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really relies on those twists, and there are several of them through yeah. the episode. Um, but it's great. It's a great sort of POV episode because we are just following these robot duplicates around the whole episode, learning yeah. what they're learning as they learn it. 756 fans voted on the GateWorld uh, poll page for Tin Man. Mm-hmm. And the um, the score is 8.07 out of 10. So if you have not voted, go vote! Yeah, it's a very strong episode. We wanted, for the, for the episode commentaries, for the first few commentaries that we're recording at least, uh, we wanted to pick an episode that we really like from each season, but not the one that's going to probably win... Uh, yeah, the we're, fan. Doing, we're doing polling for 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 the favorite episode uh, of each season as we go. So we'll uh, we'll record another commentary for what fans vote on as their favorite. But um, then we get to go back and pick these sort of you know really good episodes that are in these seasons that are not you know the big wow episodes like There But For the Grace of God or the Tormentor yeah. Channelist. Yeah, Tormentor Channelist and There But For are obvious ones. You know, and we wanted to give enough room for fans to decide. And you know, if if your episode doesn't get doesn't get done, there's no reason that we can't at some point, you know, come back around and and get to it later. Yeah, may, so, may uh, do another pass. And, uh, it's entirely doing, possible. Doing fan commentaries, it's fun because you know I have spent so many years watching commentaries on the DVDs where they get people that you know you want to listen to. Yeah. As opposed to you and me, uh, they get they get actors and they get the writer and they get the director, people who know mm-hmm. the the insight of what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is a huge milestone for us. I mean, this is this is the first one that we've done. I mean, it's entirely possible that whoever's listening to this has, you know, a list of several that choose from. But this bunch. is this is the yeah. first one that we've done, and you and I have been discussing this for well over six years. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, we talked years. about this for a long time, and now we're finally doing it. It's cool. I mean, we're just a couple of schmucks, but we've been well, sort of speak for yourself. Okay, you're a couple of schmucks. Um... Really, I'm a couple <laughs> of schmucks. Go ahead, let's go ahead. Uh, you and I have just sort of been steeped in Stargate for so many years, and with uh, you know keeping up the website and and writing the Omnipedia. Um, we sort of have a lot of those those details mm. um, that come up in the podcast discussions a lot. We sort of cite these episodes off the top of our heads, mm-hmm. but um, it's nice to actually sort of be able to sit down and watch one all the way through, and you know, be able to talk about things like, oh, you know, this is a significant issue in Double Jeopardy three years from now when these characters come back. Yep. So it's, it's a good nice. episode. We uh we leave we leave these guys behind, and you know Jack's military mindset says they're a security risk, so we need to do a lot more probably than just change our passwords. Yeah. But um but he lets them he lets them out of here he lets them survive he lets them stay, and he really should have expected I think that they yeah. would eventually do what they what they end up doing. And I think I think Hammond knows you know that these. I don't think I don't think the team lies to the, to their leader. I think he knows that that they left them there, you know. And as yeah. from, think of it from Hammond's perspective, the risk that you're taking in just letting this team reside on another world. 
um, it's almost it almost defies you know believability. Yeah. So. But they have no. I mean, he has. They have no choice. They have. They have to be there because you know. There's. They don't have power elsewhere. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of. They're the not going anywhere. Is the deciding factor is, is they're not going anywhere exactly. Yeah, or so they think. Or so they think. Sam Carter is smarter than that. Good show. Really cool episode. Really fun. Wormhole disengaged.